0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. It is 10 o'clock. I'm Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. It's the start of a new week. I thank you for your uh, patience with me to let me take last week off. But we did Monday, but then I took the rest of the week off. Uh, Once a year, just as pastor, I like to get away for prayer. And uh, that was my annual prayer retreat. I last couple of years have gone to the Abbey of Gethsemane. It's a it's a Catholic monastery outside of Bardstown. Uh, the Trappist monks there are pretty fantastic. They have a vow of silence. They speak only to God and they have a value of hospitality, which means they invite people from the outside to come in. And so I spent a week there in silence, in solitude, and uh, I prayed for all of you. I prayed for uh, the church that I serve. Uh, And uh, for me, it's just, uh, gosh, it's an annual commitment to my friendship with God, if that makes sense to you at all. Uh, I just like to get away and be with the Lord, which is where we begin today in Mark chapter 6. We're going verse by verse from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 56 is our passage for today. So let's jump right in. Um, Verse 30 picks up uh, sort of right. Uh, there was that interlude where John the Baptizer is killed. Right before that, Jesus sent out the twelve, and now they return. So it's really kind of strange how the Baptizer's death, you know, sort of interrupts that story of how they left and came back from their from their mission. But they've come back, uh, and Jesus instantly says, "Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest." Um, remember that several of Jesus' disciples, the 12, were actually first disciples of John. And so they would have loved John, and the news of his death is going to be somewhat rattling for them. Uh, So I think Jesus here uh, wants to give them an opportunity just to come away and rest and grieve because they need that. They they, they are emotionally, spiritually, physically spent. And the scripture says they they don't even have time to eat, you know. And so Jesus calls them away to rest. Now, the interesting thing is I don't even know if they get to because people just won't leave them alone. The, the crowds continue to follow, to, to just pursue them and they they never get a break. They never catch a break. Jesus saw the crowds. He's a step from the boat, the scripture says, and he had compassion on them. Whew, he had compassion. Um, there's a a syndrome—I don't know—it's not a real thing—but a syndrome called compassion fatigue. Uh, I, I get it sometimes. You probably do too. It's just the point that once you start doing good, once you start helping people, there's no stopping place. You know? Have you ever? Sometimes at church, I'll ho- I'll open the door for somebody, but then there's 700 people leaving, and so I'm holding the door, and then people just start filing out, and there's no place to you know, to stop because there's always somebody else, you know, and I start out, you know, like, you know, really happy to do it. Eventually, I just want to slam the door in somebody's face. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it never ends. It just never ends. Uh, You start helping people and it turns out there's a whole world to help. It never ends. And so we experience compassion fatigue. We just run out of compassion. I mean, just run out of energy to keep helping people because there's always somebody else to help, you know? And that's just real. And I'm just just being real with you. I think you've probably experienced it too. Like, where do you stop? And, and so Jesus calls him away. Uh, compassion is a spiritual quality. And so the lack of it would be a spiritual problem. The only solution is time away with Jesus, you know, time away with Jesus to let him refill what has drained away in you. And so Jesus calls him away. But instantly, Jesus sees the crowds, and and he sees them with compassion. Jesus never runs out of compassion. But notice, he he sees them with compassion because he knows that they're sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees people realistically. He recognizes that they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so for that reason, if they act like sheep without a shepherd, he's not surprised or disappointed. His expectations are aligned with reality. You know, he he knows how people are. And I, I love that about him. One of the things I notice here, uh, again, just kind of trying to figure out the way that, you know, the <laughs> the death of John the Baptist just sort of interrupts the story. Like I said, um, in my reading here, I think part of what I see is this juxtaposition of of King Herod's, uh, you know, uh, extravagant banquet, you know, where you know Salome dances. I mean, it's food, it's debauchery, it's terrible. Uh, but you got this king, this, you know, this, you know, powerful man and this amazing spread of food, this feast and all of that. I think it's meant to be compared to Jesus who sees the people here uh, as sheep without a shepherd. In other words, you got this king of the world over here having his banquet, but still the people don't have a leader. You know, I love that. Jesus sees him uh, here, you know, without a leader and for that matter, without food. You know, so again, I think there's an intentional comparison between King Herod's lavish banquet and the people that he is supposed to be you know, sovereign over, King Herod, and they're out here without a, without a leader and without food. Again, I think that's probably intentional. So Jesus you know, says to the disciples, feed them. You feed them. Remember, we've already mentioned, they haven't even fed themselves. And, and there's no food. I, mean, I don't even point out, there's, you can't just go to IGA. There's no food. And Jesus says, feed them. I think one of the things you just have to learn is that Jesus absolutely will command you to do what's impossible for you to do. He will tell you to do something that's impossible for you because you're never supposed to be dependent only on your own power. It's impossible for them to do apart from him, but they're never supposed to be apart from him. And so Jesus will tell them something that's impossible for them only because he wants them to learn to draw upon his unlimited power. Uh, At the same time, You know, what do you have? You know, we have five loaves, you know, two fish, something like that. Um, Everything that you need to do what Jesus calls you to do is always going to be at hand. You know, he's always going to provide. It's always going to be already in your hands. It it won't look like enough, uh, but whenever Jesus calls you to do something, he already provides everything necessary to do His will, and like I say, it's it's already going to be at hand. Although it won't look like enough to you, and and I think that's just sort of fantastic. The point is Jesus is going to take it, He's going to bless it and multiply it. In your hands, it's not enough. In His hands, it's more than enough. Y'all, they got leftovers, and I love that part of the story. They literally have leftovers. These twelve, you know, tired, hungry men who then you know have to go feed the world. At at the end of the day. There's 12 baskets of leftovers, and I just love that so much. Uh, a basket for each disciple, man, they got 12, ba- I mean, they started out with not enough, and now all of a sudden they got leftovers, and, uh, and each man has a basket. So uh, uh, Jesus feeds them as well. He always rewards those who do his work. Sometimes when you serve the Lord, you feel like everybody else is getting blessed, and you're just getting tired, you know, but Jesus always, always rewards those who do his work, and, and I love that. Verse forty-five. Immediately, it's Mark's favorite word. Immediately, uh, Jesus uh, insists the disciples get back in the boat. <coughs> Sorry, I got a bad throat. Head across the lake. He sends the people home. Um, this is the second. Uh, the, I mean, Mark moves so fast, <coughs> and we're already in you know chapter six. But this is the second. You know, uh, water emergency. You know, he had. He's already calmed the storm in chapter four, and now. You know, once more, you know, here they are, you know, against the waves. Uh, Jesus is on the mountain praying. It's this real strange story. He's on the mountain alone praying till late in the evening, but it's almost like he's also there watching them. I mean, he's absent from them. And I think you'll notice in the Gospel of Mark, there's a pattern. If Jesus is not with the disciples, they're in trouble. I mean, always when he's away, they're in trouble. And so Jesus never takes his eye off of them somehow. And it says that he can see them in serious trouble, rowing hard against the contrary wind and waves. And so he comes toward them, walking on the water. What? Walking on the water. Verse 48 he intended to go past them. Uh, it's a very difficult phrase to translate. Now, there are several places in scripture, you know, like um, in the gospel of Luke w- with the disciples at Emmaus, where it, he acted like he was going to keep on going. Uh, they, they asked him to stay. Um, there is this pattern in scripture where it, it does seem as if sometimes the Lord will seem as if he's going to pass you by, but never actually does you know he's he's never gonna just pass you by but uh, in this case i don't think that's what's intended i think the language here is intentionally the language of what you call theophany Uh, for example when god reveals himself to moses and he puts him in the cleft of the rock and his glory passes by you know, I think it's more he intended to pass their way. He, he's going to reveal himself, reveal his power to them. And so he's not going to, you know, just try to sneak by them and not help them. I don't think that's the intention at all. Uh, I think it's more this language of theophany. He intends to pass their way, you know, with his glory. He's going to pass their way. Uh, and indeed, they see him walking on the water. They cry out in terror. Uh, they think he's a ghost, you know, some sort of sea phantom, whatever, They're terrified when they see him. They spoke to him and and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Uh, Take courage, I'm here. He climbs into the boat and instantly the wind stops. Uh, They're all amazed. And then interesting, this verse almost seems out of place because they didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. You know, what? Uh, That seems strange. You know, They were amazed. There's just this idea that somehow their hearts are still, uh, their hearts can't absorb. Mark says our hearts are hard, um, but it's not as if they don't respond. It's just almost like their hearts cannot possibly absorb everything that Jesus is revealing about who He is and the power that He has, and how they need not be afraid. Um, and then it just continues. After they crossed the lake, they landed Gennesaret, brought their boat to shore. People recognize them, and man, they just are swamped again. Uh, like I say. Uh, you start feeding people, it's a hungry, hungry world. There's never any stop. You start helping people, there's always somebody else to help. They beg him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. You know, so, wow, what a strange chapter. You know, Just really what a strange chapter. Everything in that chapter, the death of John the Baptizer, the sinning out of the 12, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walks on water. Uh, but uh, in that, just that constant you know, thrum of people coming to Jesus Uh, I just think it's uh, beautiful and amazing. Uh, It's going to be a great week, you guys. Tomorrow we'll pick up right there at chapter 7. Chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. Chapter 7, Mark. Uh, verses 1 to 23. I'm looking forward to a good week with you. Uh, God bless you guys. I love you so much. It's Monday. It's my day off. I'm going to rest. Again, just trying to get over this cold. Yesterday was a big day at church. Uh, But anyway, I'm going to rest today. I'm going to go to the grocery because we still got to eat. So if you're at Myers, I'll see you there at Myers as well. Uh, But anyway, I love you guys so much. Thanks for being in the Word with me. Uh, Thanks for being so faithful. And uh, I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing. 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. You guys have a good Monday.